Welcome, this is Michael Volkoff, and this is episode 28 of Corruption, Crime, and Compliance. Our episode today addresses due diligence and managing third-party risks. This is the first episode in a three-part series. Hello, everyone, and thanks for joining me today on Corruption, Crime, and Compliance, a podcast focused on the legal and compliance industry. We are beginning today a three-part series on due diligence issues and managing third-party risks. Uh, Before we get to the substance, let me remind you that the Volkoff Law Group can help you and your company to design and implement third-party due diligence programs to mitigate corruption and other risks. We provide practical and cost-saving solutions that meet DOJ and SEC expectations and avoid unnecessary procedures and services. Specifically, we help companies create risk-based due diligence procedures conduct independent due diligence review of third parties, provide you with an opinion of counsel letter that stands by our recommendations and provides an advice of counsel defense, and we conduct independent due diligence screening, review, investigations, and audits of high-risk third parties. Please contact me at mvolkoff at volkofflaw.com or call me at 240-505-1992 so that we can discuss how we can help you implement a top-of-the-line due diligence program. As I mentioned in today's episode, we're going to review due diligence and managing third-party risks. This is the first in a three-part series. Today's episode outlines the basic requirements for a third-party risk management system, Part two addresses specific components of a third-party risk management system, and then part three addresses specific fact patterns and problem solving. One thing we know about due diligence, there's plenty of articles, white papers, webinars, and presentations on due diligence issues. Much of it is helpful, but other aspects of it misses the point. Most companies do not have unlimited budgets, time, and resources to devote to due diligence and third-party risk management. However, it's important to remember that third-party risks are usually at the top of a company's list of significant risks in its risk profile. As a result, third-party risk management should be a high priority, but that does not mean that a company has to boil the ocean or engage in compliance overkill, creating procedures for procedures' sake or documents for documents' sake. Let's begin first, though, in reviewing the law and the enforcement risks. Third-party risk management is not limited to anti-corruption risks. Remember that FCPA liability for third parties requires that the third party acts on behalf of your company. Vendors and suppliers that do not act on your company's behalf do not create FCPA liability, although they may create UK Bribery Act liability, but very little is being enforced uh, in terms of the UK Bribery Act with regard to vendors and suppliers, at least at this point. While this theoretical distinction between acting on behalf of or not acting on behalf of may seem important, the fact is that vendors and suppliers, however, create other risks sanctions, money laundering, child labor, human trafficking, and most importantly, probably, reputational risks. As a result, vendors and suppliers have to be screened and reviewed for such risks. 
One last point before we discuss the law. Remember that consultants, lobbyists, lawyers, tax professionals, and other types of professionals frequently act on your company's behalf and interact with foreign government officials. In this respect, they need to be subjected to third-party risk screening and review. So now let's talk a little bit more about the law. The FCPA, as we all know, prohibits offering to pay, paying, promising to pay, or authorizing the payment of money or anything of value to a foreign official in order to influence any act or decision of the foreign official in his or her official capacity or to, and to secure any other improper advantage in order to obtain or retain business. The FCPA express, expressly prohibits corrupt payments made through another person, meaning third parties or intermediaries. Specifically, it covers payments made to, quote, any person while knowing that all or a portion of such money or thing of value will be offered, given, or promised directly or indirectly, close quote, to a foreign official. To address the possibility that companies could use third-party intermediaries to facilitate bribery schemes, the FCPA includes a broad definition of quote-unquote knowing to include when a person, one, is aware that he is engaging in conduct and that circumstances exist or that such result is substantially certain to occur, or two, has a firm belief that such circumstance exists or that such result is substantially certain to occur. Thus, a person has the requisite knowledge under the FCPA when he or she is aware of a high probability of the existence of such circumstance, unless the person actually believes that such circumstance does not exist. As Congress made clear, it meant to impose liability not only on those with actual knowledge of wrongdoing, but also on those who purposely uh, avoid actual knowledge. Here's a quote from the House report relating to the FCPA. The so-called head-in-the-sand problem, variously described in the pertinent authorities as conscious disregard, willful blindness, or deliberate ignorance, should be covered so that management officials could not take refuge from the FCPA's prohibitions by their unwarranted obliviousness to any action or inaction, language, or other signaling device that should reasonably alert them of the high probability of an FCPA violation. To translate all of this legal mumbo-jumbo, the presence of red flags indicating a high probability of an FCPA violation, if left unresolved, can be cited by the government as supporting the conclusion that a company actor acted with the requisite knowledge and consciously disregarded bribery risks. So now, applying this standard to when you hire third parties or rely upon third parties, there are a set of common red flags throughout the years that have come about. These include excessive commissions to third-party agents or consultants, large discounts uh, or rebates to third-party distributors, third-party consulting agreements that include very vague uh, services, a third-party consultant who's in a different line of business than that for which he or she is being engaged, a third-party is related to or closely associated with a foreign official, Third party becomes part of the transaction at the express request or ins insistence of the foreign official. 
The third party is merely a shell corp or company incorporated in an offshore jurisdiction. And another one is the third party request payment to offshore bank accounts. These are just examples of potential significant red flags. Most of the enforcement actions brought by the Justice Department and the SEC involve the use of third parties, such as agents, distributors, consultants, sales representatives, or joint venture partners. To reduce the anti-corruption risks associated with third-party intermediaries, companies design and implement robust ethics and compliance program controls, including specific procedures to conduct due diligence of prospective third-party intermediaries. Risk-based due diligence is particularly important with third parties and will always be considered by DOJ and the SEC in assessing the effectiveness of a company's compliance program. So a company's third-party risk management program should be tailored to the level of risk assessed in the company's overall enterprise risk management process. The degree of appropriate due diligence will vary based on the industry, the country, the size and nature of the transaction, and the historical relationship with the third party. Some common topics for consideration under a risk-based due diligence program include the qualification and associations of its third-party partners, including its business reputation and relationship, if any, with foreign officials. The degree of scrutiny here on these issues should increase as red flags surface. The business rationale for including the third party in the transaction. Among other things, the company should understand the role of and need for the third party and ensure that the contract term specifically describe the services to be performed. Additional considerations include payment terms and how those payment terms compare to typical terms in that industry and country, as well as the timing of the third party's introduction to the business. Moreover, companies should confirm, document, and verify that the third party is actually performing the work for which it is being paid and that its compensation is commensurate with the work being provided. Ongoing monitoring of third-party relationships, including examination of the incentives created for its third parties and the extent to which these incentives increase compliance risks. The company should evaluate the benefits of training its responsible business officers in effective strategies to manage the company's relationship with a specific third party. Where appropriate, a company should undertake additional efforts to mitigate third-party risks by updating due diligence periodically, exercising audit rights, providing periodic training, and requesting annual compliance certifications by the third party. Whether the company has informed third parties of the company's compliance program and commitment to ethical and lawful business practices, and where appropriate, whether it has sought assurances from third parties through certifications and otherwise of reciprocal commitments. These can all be meaningful ways to mitigate third-party risk. Finally, let me take a moment just to talk about due diligence principles. The legal definition of due diligence is reasonable inquiries and not fact-finding beyond reasonable doubt, not even an evidentiary burden of preponderance of the evidence, meaning greater than 50%. Companies have to adopt a written policy governing onboarding of third parties, incorporate advice of counsel, and ensure that you have a vertical risk evaluation process, meaning that you elevate due diligence inquiries based on risk and presence of red flags. Companies have to document their due diligence process 
and make sure they explain the reasons for each of their actions. Well, that's it for part one, and please join us for part two as we talk about the functions and the specific aspects of a third-party due diligence system. Thanks again for listening to Corruption, Crime, and Compliance. Please subscribe to the podcast series. The Volkoff Law Group believes that every company should have a robust ethics and compliance program. Experience and research show that ethical companies are better performers in the global marketplace. At ethical companies, employees believe in the company, they feel vested, and are more productive. As a result, misconduct rates are much lower and financial performance is higher. We can help you achieve these benefits through an effective ethics and compliance program. You can learn more about our commitment to effective ethics and compliance programs at our website, www.volkofflaw.com, our award-winning blog, Corruption, Crime, and Compliance, and our new podcast series. You can contact me at my email address, mvolkofflaw.com. Let us know how we can help you achieve